Tony Hines here, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Hi, Tony Hines here, and I'm glad you could join us today on this special edition of the Chain Reaction Podcast. It's Easter time, and we've decided to do a special roundup on all things going on in the supply chain at present that are impacting global supply chains. And we want to take a look at what the big challenges are and what the big changes have been since the pandemic. So, hope you enjoy the episode. In this Easter special edition, I want to take a look, a retrospective look, at all things impacting global supply chains over the past couple of years. And that's since the start of the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. And we identify here some key challenges for supply chain managers and executives in the C-suite. There have been many factors that have disrupted global supply chains, including the geopolitics, inflation driven by energy price increases, amongst other things, and Russia invading Ukraine with the grain shortages and the shortage of particular metals. Food shortages due to many factors that include climate change, droughts. And of course, in the United Kingdom, we've had Brexit, caused empty shelves in the supermarkets, and it's posed many challenges, including the Northern Ireland Protocol, worker shortages, supply chain frictions, additional costs in the supply chain, extra paperwork, all added to the problem of inflation. And energy prices have gone sky high, of course, with many businesses deciding enough is enough, and they've had to move out or move on. So we've got many challenges, and we've had all the problems in shipping and the container boxes, that went sky high from $2,500 to about over $20,000 per container. And it's been a very difficult time for people to cope. And of course, all of this was done while people were away from the office. And of course, there's been the pandemic, which has been a major disruptor. Well, there appear to be a number of things which are making supply chains very different than pre-pandemic supply chains. And I could name four or five of them right off the cuff. The first thing, of course, is disruption has become an ever-present. And that disruption is caused by different factors in different places. In the United Kingdom, for example, we have Brexit and post-Brexit arrangements. That seriously disrupted the flow of goods from Europe into the United Kingdom. And we had all the trouble with the Northern Ireland Protocol, which hopefully is now getting sorted. But we've had Holdups at Dover, at the port of Dover this week, and the government's trying to blame French authorities, but it's clearly a Brexit issue because they have to check more paperwork. They have to check everybody's passport. If passengers go from the United Kingdom to France, it's no longer free entry, which it was previously. So that's a serious issue. And it's the same with goods. We've got all the paperwork problems with goods going into Europe and coming out of Europe. And of course, many suppliers, as I reported in the news roundup this week, don't want to do business with the United Kingdom in the same way they did in the past or at the volume levels because they have to do additional paperwork, it's duplication, it's cost, and it's just not worth the effort. They can probably find customers elsewhere in the European Union which are easier to deal with. So those things have changed the nature of supply chains. The second thing, of course, is all the geopolitical tension in the world. And that's caused massive disruption. There's a 
trade war between the US and China, and that's having all sorts of repercussions, particularly in the tech industry, where microchips seem to be at the centre of the arguments. But of course there's all the political shenanigans around the South China Sea, with uh, China trying to claim back different parts of what it considers to be its territory, but other countries don't. We've got the war in Europe, with the geopolitical tensions emanating from that, and all the repercussions, all the side effects from that war in the Ukraine. And there's lots of collateral damage from that, with trade in different places being badly affected, and particularly steel, grain, other minerals, all disrupted as a consequence of that war. And then we live in a very different world today than we did pre-pandemic, with the number of cyber attacks that there are. Yes, there were some before the pandemic, but they seem to have escalated during the pandemic. Perhaps people had more time to work on the nefarious activities, and there are a lot more dangers running software online than in the past. And of course, as well as the military war going on between Ukraine with people fighting other people, there are, of course, cyber attacks which come from Russia and vice versa, from Ukraine. They're both particularly tech-savvy countries. And while they're attacking each other, some of the collateral damage from that is that if a cyber attack is made against a particular software or a particular company, it may well affect people working with the company or using that particular software. So they become a consequence of the damage done. So those are a few things which are very different at present than they were pre-pandemic. In the United States, of course, you can recall that Joe Biden introduced a policy of resilience, and he wanted supply chains to play a big part in making the United States more resilient in its arrangements with other countries. And a lot of that was to do with protecting the military complex, but it's also about providing security for energy, food, and other goods. And so the idea of a resilient supply chain might require higher costs in terms of investment in inventory, and that places risks in the supply chain elsewhere. But one of the key strategies to coexist alongside the resilient policy is, of course, the notion of friendshoring. Now, you'll have heard me talk about friendshoring for some time. But friendshoring is the idea that you just do business with countries that have similar aims and goodwill towards your country. So you don't trade with people who are adversaries. Now, that might be a bit of a problem, mightn't it? You can see already the trade war between the US and China. If the US turned around and said, well, we're only going to trade with people who we consider our friends and you know, one day they decide that China isn't their friend and they actually don't want to trade with them anymore. That would put a lot of companies and a lot of businesses at risk because they'd have to search around and obtain their supplies from elsewhere. And that's difficult, isn't it? As we move towards electric vehicles, you'll have heard me talk about the car industry. And if you didn't want to do trade with China, a lot of the minerals that get processed that make up components in electric vehicles are processed by China or Chinese businesses. So uh, that would put a serious spanner in the works if that happened. 
for automobile companies. It's one of the reasons that some of the automobile companies in the past year have been scrambling around to actually move their facilities and suppliers into different countries away from China and to build new facilities in Europe and elsewhere. Another thing that happened during the pandemic, and certainly over the past two years, is that supply chain costs increased immensely. They went up to 40% for some firms, from the normal average of 10%. And that was because of the cost of container boxes. Single shipments that cost 2500 suddenly became £18,000, which were ridiculous sums of money, really. And, of course, the businesses paying these costs couldn't always pass the full cost on to their customers. The automotive sector experienced supply chain disruption due to a combination of pandemic and the drought in the southwest of China, the war in Ukraine and the shortage of microchips. And, of course, many in the automotive sector attempted to move some of their business to halt the disruptions. New partnerships were forged, new sourcing arrangements and new facilities were built. The retail industry is always a good barometer of problems in supply chains and from 2020 to 2021 there were a whole host of problems. You can remember the shelves were empty, no toilet rolls, no fruit and veg at times, particular product lines gone missing and there were challenges getting the goods from Europe and from the Far East to supermarket shelves in the United States and in the United Kingdom. Retailers invested a large amount of working capital into bolstering up inventory, especially for the Christmas periods during that time. And they even made arrangements to contract and charter their own ships because there was a shortage of ships and a shortage of container boxes to get the goods in. The food industry, of course, was hit in the UK by the post-Brexit situation. Not enough farm labourers and, of course, farmers switching products because of the rising cost of fertiliser costs and, of course, energy. Massive cost increases. So they were knocked for six. Now, you might ask the question, have things got better? Well, in some respects, some things have improved and the price of container boxes has come down and shipping availability has increased and the costs have fallen. But there are still lots of problems in supply chains and the post-Brexit arrangements in the United Kingdom still aren't smooth. Hence the hold-ups at Dover and all kinds of problems moving goods from continental Europe into the United Kingdom. And we still have shortages of labour in the farm fields, so harvests might be under threat. We still have shortages of drivers, so the logistics side of the business is still problematic. And nothing is quite back to normal. One of the other big changes for retail during that particular period is that they had to manage costs particularly well to try and minimise cost and to keep the firms profitable. And cash flow has been all important. And cash flow during the pandemic was not easy for many retailers and many retail businesses, particularly medium and small retailers. And of course, some firms have dropped out of business as a consequence. Disrupted supplies, increasing costs, not just for their goods for resale, but also for energy costs, 
for the cost of just being in business with the council tax and all the other taxes that apply, all made business very difficult. Keeping control of cost, of course, is the first lesson in retail, as well as focusing on the customer. And if we think about the situation right now, some of the big retailers are getting back to the pre-pandemic retail practices of trying to keep costs down and beginning to put pressure on their suppliers not to increase their costs. Now, that's good for consumers, but some suppliers may not be able to meet those pressures on cost. And there'll be quite a period of readjustment while retail buyers and retail suppliers reconfigure and arrangements are made to keep things in balance. So, difficult times all round. When it comes to retailers, the things that they have to manage most carefully, they have to focus on what the customer is demanding, and they have to know that in advance so they can get the right inventory in the right place at the right time, and they have to sell through the inventory in a reasonable period to get the return on investment that they require. But critically, they have to ensure that cash flow is maintained through the business and that they maintain profitability. And the way to maintain profitability when you can't move your prices as much as you'd like to is through cost control. And nobody knows that better than retailers. When it comes to the big challenges, I don't think anybody can underestimate the geopolitics that's impacting supply chains. Now, you can't do anything directly about the geopolitics because you're not in the decision-making role, but you have to react and you have to act so that your supply chains are resilient. So in that sense, Joe Biden's right to talk about resilient supply chains. It's just a question of how you make your supply chain resilient and Friendshoring is not the only way to go. It may be appropriate for some, but not for everybody. And I think there's no universal solution to becoming resilient. I think there are many ways to become resilient, but you have to understand your own supply chain, your own cost structure, your own relationships with suppliers, and you have to stay abreast of developments in the global economy. And that's, of course, where chain reaction comes in, because we talk about those things affecting the global economy every week. Flexibility and agility are very essential parts of making your supply chains resilient. And you need to know how you can employ flexible strategies and agile strategies in your particular context. And you will have some ideas of that because it won't be the first time you've done it, but it's just what drives it. And it's understanding the driver. And the problem with modern supply chains for everybody is they're complex, they're ambiguous, they are uncertain, the risks are great, and they're globally dispersed and they're long. And so it's about balancing everything to get your supply chain tighter, more synchronous, timely, and keeping control as best you can. And visibility is the key to doing this. Food security, of course, has moved right up the agenda as people realise how fragile food supply chains have become, in particular categories, of course, as well. And we've had all the problems of country of origin, food labelling, post-Brexit in the UK with uh, the recent 
pork scandal, where pork has come in from South America and Europe, and it was contaminated pork mixed with uh, fresh meat. And it was sold falsely as British meat in British supermarkets. Now, this isn't the fault of the supermarkets. This is a fault of criminal activity in the supply chain, taking advantage of those frictions in the supply chain, which probably couldn't have happened when the United Kingdom was part of the European Union. Another issue in food supply chains, of course, has been the shortage of labour, labour to pick crops in the field when harvests are due. And that's a post-Brexit issue in the United Kingdom too, because it's been problematic since the migrant labour that was used to pick crops, and that's a normal activity. Migrant labour has always been present to pick crops, but it's far more difficult now for migrant labour to work in the United Kingdom. So, another problem post-Brexit. And then there's the climatic changes that are happening, and the soil degradation which has happened. And of course, last week I reported on the possibility of potato shortages as farmers reduce the amount of land that they give over to the crop. So I think we're witnessing some key changes. And it's difficult also to import everything that previously was imported from Europe. So food supply chains have really taken a hit. Food, energy and water, along with minerals, are four things that global supply chains bring to the market. And all have been severely disrupted. Food is under pressure from climate change, from changing working practices, and of course from the policies that are applied by governments. Policies which, rather than helping an agricultural sector, often hinder it. And then of course, energy. Similarly, we need energy to drive supply chains, to drive business, to drive productivity. And if energy prices are sky high, both for industry and domestic consumers, then we're in trouble. So that needs some sensible policies and it needs action by governments. Only governments can intervene and resolve those issues. It can't be left to the free market in this particular case. And then water. Water is a foundation for life. And if we can't get clean water supplies, and much of the world can't for a variety of reasons, through industrial pollution, through plastics entering the rivers and oceans of the world and killing sea life, then we are in some serious trouble if we don't have policies and plans and we implement those policies and plans to clean those rivers and seaways up. And one of the major issues that's come to the attention of the public mind in the past year or two is how water companies are struggling to keep rivers and sea contamination clean. And there have been many water companies in the United Kingdom that have been fined for polluting clean water. It's not just water pollution and water contamination that's the problem with water, of course. It's the shortage of water with climate change. Rainfall in Europe has been lower. And recently, in the past few weeks, there's been evidence of that low rainfall with reservoirs drying up in Spain. And of course, agriculture uses large quantities of water to produce crops. So without water, you can't produce the crops. And restrictions on water may need to be applied more widely than they are today in future to ensure water supply is available for crop growth.
conservation and the retention of the water that we do receive is important. And we need more efficient methods of holding, storing water and distributing water without loss. So those are some of the challenges of the future. And then beyond that, we have the fight, the economic fight for minerals. And minerals in the form of metals for electric cars, electric car production, and all the things we need in the modern world for battery technology, etc., are under pressure. And whoever is able to secure those resources can secure the future. And at the moment, China is a leader in that department. Well, that's it for the Easter special. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll catch up again next week when there's a new midweek episode out and we'll see you in the news roundup again next Saturday. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. I wish everybody a happy Easter, by the way. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.